way to get you going. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir and Sabira Sheikh Yassar only on the Voice of the Cape. So 7.34 is where we're at. We're going to be continuing our conversation uh, that we're having prior to headlines um, just before after 8 this morning. So you can still stay tuned for that. However, this moment in time, we're turning our focus and speaking um, with regards to the issue once again of illegal firearms. And police management in the Western Cape says it will intensify efforts to deal with illegal firearms. And now this follows the fatal shooting of two police officers in Clifontein on Sunday and a number of other fatal shootings in Mitchell's Plain over the past few days. Now, a police spokesperson, Novella Putowa, says they've activated a 72-hour action plan in an effort to catch the suspects. And with the Western Cape having recorded a concerning number of murders and attempted murders in the Cape Town Metropole from Thursday to Sunday last week, the police have intensified efforts to tackle illegal firearms through targeted operations. But how do they stem the flow of illegal firearms? Adult Kirsten, a director of Guns Free South Africa, can hopefully give us some insight on this particular matter. Adult, good morning. Good to be chatting. Uh, good morning, Sabra, and hello also to your listeners. So, I mean, when you hear this, you know, coming from the police, I mean, how, how are you making sense of the reasons why illegal firearms have become so prevalent in the city? I mean, this is not something new. It's definitely not something new, and particularly over the last 10 years, uh, one's seen that the Western Cape posts some of the highest gun-related murders uh, in the country. Um, and I guess there's one of the reasons is there's a demand for uh, weapons in, in the Western Cape, uh, particularly on Cape Flats uh, communities. But globally and in South Africa as well, we've seen that one of the best ways uh, to get illegal guns off our streets um, is, is you need a, a, a comprehensive uh, approach. Uh, and really there's, there are two key things that SAPs have to do. They have to get illegal guns off our streets. And so what that means, they have to prioritize it. They need to show up. They need to be visible. Um, they need to be increasing their search and seizure operations, the intelligence-driven operations. This is a, a really key priority for SAPs, and they have to involve communities in terms of sharing information, which, of course, is always risky. Mm. Um, but, you know, we've seen uh, through amnesties, but also if you look at the reports in the last week, 30 firearms have been removed. That's, that's, that's a significant number of weapons being taken out of the pool no. but you have to you have to so we call that about mopping up uh the weapons that are flowing but you have to look at where do these weapons come from and 99 or you know almost 100 percent of weapons are legally manufactured and so they were once legal and you need to look at what is the source what is feeding the illegal market and you need to look at where the supply is coming from. And in South Africa, there are really three supply routes. One is loss and theft from civilians. The other is leakage from state armory, uh, which was a big contributor and continues to be one for the Western Cape. And then the third is cross-border trafficking. And so you have to also turn off the legal tap. Um, you have to do both. It's not, it's, it's fine to do one, 
but it's much more effective if you're sort of developing this two-pronged approach. Mm. Let, you, you were talking about, you know, the kind of weapons, you know, that was recovered. Uh, is there substantial record of this? Well, I think you're raising an important issue, Gulam, is that if you look at the report, and I guess this is to the media in particular, is that there's a lot of myths about what are the weapons that are being used. Many people think it's assault rifles. But the annual crime stats say that handguns are by far the preferred, uh, they're the weapon of choice for criminals. Um, And there's a reason for this, because they're easy to use, they're very durable, uh, they're easy to conceal. Um, And so when a reporter says 30 firearms were recovered, that doesn't help us understand the nature of the problem and where and how to intervene. So it's really important to talk about the type of gun, but also to talk about the quantity of ammunition. So, for example, um, if it's a .38, which is the the weapon issued to cops, and now the two cops that uh, were killed in Cryfontein, it was reported that their guns were stolen. So I guess this is a really good example of how legal guns enter into the illegal market. Um, so, so being very precise about the type of weapon, stating whether it's legal or not, and that's where the relationship, I guess, between journalists and, and SAPS becomes important, to really put pressure on SAPS to, to share this information. Because unless we really understand the nature of the problem, we won't necessarily develop the best intervention strategies. Now, Adele, you know, when we speak about, you know, having, uh, you know, stringent measures in place, strict control of the legal gun trade to reduce the movement into the illegal markets. I mean, you know, we've been talking about this for years. SAPS has been trying various avenues to sort of stem this flow, but it's almost like a means to no end. It's like, you know, you get to one point, but then it's happening somewhere else. Mm. Um, And it's almost like a losing battle. I mean, what more needs to be done or can be done? And perhaps, you know, can we take from, from international standards in other countries in terms of how they deal with this? I think there's some really good examples uh, of this globally, but we have our own experience uh, of, of significantly strengthening our gun laws in 2000. And then for the first 10 years of the implementation of that law, we saw an almost 50% reduction in gun deaths. Uh, where we reduced from um, just over, over, it was around about 34 gun deaths in the late 90s to 18 in 2009. And then we see the steady increase. We're back at like 23 to 24 gun deaths a day. We see the steady increase in, in gun-related murder in the country, and that's largely because of corruption uh, in, in the police force, in the issuing of licenses, um, but also in leakage from from state armories and fraudulent issuing of licenses. So basically, poor enforcement of the law has been a major factor right. uh, in, in fueling this. So the other is, I guess, is to think of COVID-19. If you think of gun violence as a public health kind of epidemic, mm. Um, and the whole of government and whole of society response. I think we need a much better coordinated response 
to deal with this because I agree with you it's it's not going anywhere right now we're seeing rising numbers mm. uh, and we need a much more concerted effort which includes all of us we have to treat this like uh, you know, uh, a public health epidemic and, and say, let's go upstream. And what upstream means is that you look at the system, you look at the law, uh, you look at ways in which we can significantly reduce access to weapons. That's where we have to interrupt the cycle of violence. And the best way to do that is to reduce access to guns. Right. Now, just before we go, I've got about 30 seconds, Adele, if you can share a comment on this. You know, if we look at the overall problem, does the problem also come down, you know, or stems from a lack of uh, proper research and data that's available? Just very quickly. No, we've got very good data uh, about where gun violence happens, who's involved um, and what kinds of weapons. We've got the data. Uh, Data is important and you need to keep on collecting data, but we have the evidence We're just not using that evidence to uh, make really effective interventions. Right, let's see with Adele Kirsten, Director for Gun Free South Africa. Thank you very much for your time this morning on Breakfast 9 to 1.3 FM. You go well.